0: This week, we're going to do Soul Winning 201. And so some of you may not have been here. Some of you may have been watching online. But I want to do a quick review of where we were a couple of weeks ago. The first three points of this message, what we looked at. We're talking about soul winning, the importance of that. And look, already we see the importance of this. When we talk about... We talk about what's going on in Afghanistan. The tragedy's not for a believer to die over there. While wow, that's tragic from our perspective. If a believer is murdered over there, the martyred over there, we know where they are. They're gonna spend eternity in heaven. Folks, this life is short, amen? This life is short, and if you don't believe that, I know some of the younger people. When us older people say that, they're like, "Oh yeah, whatever. Life's long, man. It's going to be long because your your perspective is, you know, it's been it's you've had a short time. I'm 53. I feel like in my head I ought to still be 20. Raymond, you there? Do you feel like that? I'm like, man, I, I blinked and my kids are grown. What has happened here? It's crazy. Life is short. And this is not, this isn't what it's about. This is is just a little bitty piece of it. The the, the, the big, the, the, the eternity is what's to come. And the only thing that matters is what you have done personally with Jesus Christ. I've done a lot of funerals in the three and a half years that I've been here. And I've done funerals for folks that I have, I can't say with certainty, any one of them is in heaven or any one of them is in hell. But I can look at their lives, I can listen to their testimonies and I can feel very confident on many of those that I know where they are today and I feel great hope and peace in that. There's others that I have absolutely no hope. And the and the and the heart hurt of that is that they went into an eternity that once that you're done here there is no going back. There is no second chance. This is it. It's what you do here with Christ. So the most important thing is what you do with Christ. The second thing that's so important is then what do we do as a believer? Do we care about anybody else? Do we care whether anybody else goes to heaven or not? We we can act like, well, God will just take care of it all. We'll just sit on our hands. That's not what the scriptures tell us. The scriptures tell us to go and make disciples. And if you're going to make a disciple, you've got to make a convert you got to win them to the Lord. You've got to share our faith. We've got. He tells us in Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's so much in that. He tells us to go. He tells us to witness, to share our faith, to make disciples. They, someone's got to come to faith, and we teach them. We disciple them. We grow them in the faith, help them to grow in the faith. And then it says that I am with you always. The Lord has promised that he's with us. He's going to be there with us. He's going to stay with us. Okay? So there's there's great promise that he's going to minister, do those things. He's empowering us to do those things that he's told us to do. So as we talk about this, the importance of soul winning... And uh, so number one, we looked at what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is the good news. That's what the gospel means. It means good news. Well, what is the good news? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I I declare to you the gospel, Paul's saying here, the gospel. He's going to tell us what it is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the 3rd day according to the scriptures look if somebody asks you what is the gospel what is the good news it is the death burial and resurrection of the lord jesus christ that is the gospel Now, the scriptures contain the gospel and it expands on it. And we go from the very beginning in Genesis 3, we see God creates in Genesis 1. He gives us life in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that. But then in Genesis 3, we fall. Man falls into sin and we are are bound for hell. We're sinners at that point. And the whole book is God's glorious story of how he redeems man. That's what it's all about. The whole book really contains the gospel. You see the scarlet thread that runs through the entire, the the totality of scripture. We see that. But the gospel is the good news. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you need to understand that. And we went through that last week and we talked about that. So how does someone get saved? How does someone come into faith with Christ? And we looked at this. So through the word of God. It is the truth of scriptures. Now, while a praise song is great, there are are praise songs. The the song we did yesterday, uh, Living Hope. The gospel's in that song. The gospel's there. But not every song, not every Christian song, not every hymn, not every contemporary Christian song, not every song that we sing has the gospel in there, has the entire message in there. But So, so understand it's so important that we go back to the Word of God. It is through the Word of God that the, the gospel is revealed. It is right there. It's what God said. So it's the Word of God. And then we see the work of the Holy Spirit. When, when the gospel is preached, when the word of God is preached, the power of the word of God works in life, but the Holy Spirit of God works in a person's life. And so we looked at three things that, that the Holy Spirit would do when we are witnessing, when we're sharing our faith. He will illuminate the mind of the unbeliever. He'll illuminate. He will stir the heart of the unbeliever. And then he will move the will of the unbeliever. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in a lost person's life. So we take the word of God, we preach the word of God, or we teach the word of God, or we share the word of God, or we witness with the word of God, but we present the word of God. And then the work of the Holy Spirit, he does those works in a person's life. And then there's the will of the person. And as the Holy Spirit of God works on a person and brings conviction to that person, they must respond with their will. They must come to a place of repentance and saving faith. And it's not just acknowledging God existed. It is truly having faith, putting your faith into the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Noah, though he built the ark, Noah had to express his faith by getting in the ark. He had to get into the vehicle that God had provided to take him safely through the storm. We have to do the same thing. God has provided a way to take us through the storm of death and eternity. And and that death of of the the judgment that is to come, the way through that is Christ. And it is getting into Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. That word in there is the word ice in Greek. E-I-S I think it is. And, and it means in, but it also means into. And I always think about that, how we believe into Christ. It's not just believing in Him as though He existed. It is believing into Him. It is, I've show, told you many times, the story of the barrel. And we showed the video a couple of weeks ago. Getting in the barrel, the tightrope tight walker with the barrel going across. And it's getting in the barrel. It's expressing your faith that you trust Christ and him alone because I can't get there and that's when, when someone comes to that point of repentance turning from it's a change of mind I can't do it myself or I can't work my way or I'm not going to be religious to get there or there aren't many many roads to heaven or not everybody gets there when we understand and that understanding is revealed through the work of the word of God and then the work of the Holy Spirit and God works in our heart and it's that repentance of God convicting me and showing me that I'm a lost sinner and there's no way I can do it on my own and then I turn from that and I realize he is the only way that's repentance It's a change of mind. That's what repentance means. It's a change of mind. And then it's in the results in a change of life. And we trust in Christ. That's how a person gets saved. And there's a lot of ways a person can get saved. There are A lot of methods. That's what we're going to talk about. A lot of things. But ultimately, that's it. Those things have to be there. So number three, we looked at the importance of soul winning. And I love the way Uh, Here in Romans, I love this right here, what Paul says. He says in verse 13, For whosoever or whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what he says. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And he basically says, he he does a reverse. You kind of look at that in reverse. He's doing a reverse Reasoning there, you could go back to to, to the end of verse fourteen. He said, "How will they hear without a preacher? And how should they believe in Him and whom they've not heard?" So the preachers going to tell them. So now they've now he shared who Jesus is. Now they've heard Him. Now I can believe in that person. Oh, I oh okay, Jesus, He was real. Hell, he was God's Son. Oh, I'm a sinner. Okay, and and so now uh, Jesus came. God sent Him, and He died. He lived a sinless life. He was born of a virgin. He died on the cross for my sins. They understand who He is, and the Holy Spirit of God all the time is working through the word of God, working in their heart. And so then they call on him and who they believe. Oh, I believe that. That's right. I believe that's right. And they call on him. They place their faith into him. And so that's Romans. That's the importance of soul winning is people have to hear the gospel. Folks, we can't just go, well, you know, I got saved. How many of you in here just woke up one morning and you said, you know what? I'm saved today. You know, I went to bed. I was lost, but I woke up this morning. I'm saved. I don't know how it happened, but I'm just saying none of us all of us have a testimony of our salvation. And so there was there was some way that you were exposed to the gospel. You heard the truth of the gospel and the Holy Spirit of God brought conviction and drew your heart to him. Listen, if God didn't draw you, you ain't saved. If he doesn't, don't think you can just come to him whenever you want to. These, these death, this death row tr- can't, conversions, I, I, that doesn't mean God can't save them. He can absolutely save a person. But, it, but it's, it's his work. It's him them bringing conviction. But this person says, hey, you know what? I'm at a point now, you know, now I know I'm dying of cancer. I'm going to go get saved. Doesn't work that way, folks. The Holy Spirit of God will draw a person. And when he draws you, you better respond. Christian, when the Holy Spirit of God brings conviction in your life, you better respond. Don't wait and say, I'll deal with that later. He's dealing with you. You deal with God when he deals with you. Amen? Amen. All right. So then verse 17 says, "Though so, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we see that right there. That's the importance of soul winning. Folks, I, I've been praying for months. And our men's prayer band, they know this. We, we pray that about this. I'm praying for our church. To get a burden for lost people. And to, to the point of that, when we go out of here, you know, when you get up in the morning before you leave the house, you're thinking, how can I share my faith today? Who, who Lord, are you going to bring into my path that I can share my faith with? And so you, what we're talking about now is, is, is what are ways that we do that? Well, let's look at some different ways in Scripture. Number four uh, you see here is soul-winning targets. So targets. How, who, who was targeted? How were they targeted? Let's take a, just a quick look at this. So the, there were mass touches, so there were mass touches when we read in Scripture, we see this. We see this with Jesus and the multitudes. He would come in, he'd have multitudes, he's touching people, he's praying for them, he's healing their sick, he's casting out demons, he's doing those things. He feeds 5,000 men plus the women and children. He feeds all these people all for the purpose of, of telling them who he is. So it's this, these mass touches he does. You know what, we do mission outreaches. There, there are things, there are mission organizations that will go and, I mean, we've sent, we've sent uh, what we send, uh, goats? Our ladies' ministry sent goats into, somebody help me. Didn't we do goats? We bought goats, right? Through Samaritan's purse, I guess it was. We buy these goats and send them into a village somewhere. And, and through that, it opens the door to share the gospel. And we don't go in with a goat and go, hey, now if you trust Jesus, we'll give you a goat. That, that's, not, that's not the way that works. But, it, but it's these mass touches. So you go in and you, you do mission outreaches. You can provide food, medical. We've done, I've done trips where we did medical clinics. We did vision clinics. It's an incredible thing when you, you got an opt- optometrist, I guess what that is. He takes a machine. We take it halfway around the world and in a third world village, set up a clinic. And the entire village comes out and they wait patiently in line to have their eyes checked. And he's brought cases of glasses so that he can help their vision. And you know what? It's interesting because when you do that kind of stuff, they want to know why you're there. Why would you do this? Well, let me tell you. Because Jesus told me to come and, and to do this for you. Amen. Because God Almighty laid it on our heart because he loves you and he, he wanted this done for you. And it's amazing how often we could share the gospel with people and they, would, they were receptive to hear the gospel. Um, opt, we did construction. You can do construction and, and open the door for the gospel that way. Operation Christmas Child, which will probably kick off next week. We'll launch that next week. And we'll start promoting that. We'll have a, a timeline for you to start putting those boxes together and grab them to gather them all together. But those simple shoe boxes, those little toys and crayons and balls and gloves and whatever it is you put in there, they're all designed for the purpose of, of, of they're going to put tracks in there. They're going to put gospel tracks that we're going to talk about in a little bit. They're going to put those tracks in there so people will open that box up and, and those kids are going to open it up and they're going to be amazed at what they've received. But they're going to read, they're going to be exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, that's the mass touches. Then you got the shotgun approach. We, we think of Peter preaching in the streets of Jerusalem and thousands coming to faith in Christ. Well, we did a tent revival out here. We had people from our community that showed up for that. We, we saw the Lord move in that. So you got tent revivals. you got street preachers. you ever watch some of those guys that go out on the street and they, they preach and confront people. I mean, those guys, they're amazing. I mean, that's a difficult thing because you've got to be fast on your feet. And, and, and uh, you know, there's some things that, that's a that's a, a unique thing to do. But any of us could do it. Any of us could train. We could prepare ourselves. We can pray up, study up. We could go out and we could do that. But that's a that's a way of, of sharing the gospel. It's just a shotgun approach. We're just gonna go out and I remember when I was in college, there was a guy who used to come out, Brother Jeb. Now I don't advise this, because he would he would come out there and he he was just a he was a hateful guy. He'd come out there and everything was you're all a bunch of whores and whoremongers and you're all going to hell. And I'm I'm standing there going, well, I'm a Christian. How can you make that statement? And so all he did was put up a wall. Everybody, you don't want to do that. You want to preach truth, but you speak the, speak the truth in love. Amen. That's, right. that's that's the right way. But then there's one-on-one ways of se- of sharing the gospel. So there's family. Andrew with his brother Peter. So Andrew, one of the two heard in John chapter one verse forty. And one of the two heard, one of the two who heard John speak. And followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, "'We have found the Messiah,' which is translated to Christ." Verse 42, "'And he brought him to Jesus.'" So here's Andrew who goes and finds his brother Peter and he brings him. He says, "'We found the Messiah.'" Isn't that what we should do? You should tell people in your family, hey, we, this Jesus, you need, to, you need to come to Jesus. Come on, and you need to bring them to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. You need to go to your friends, Philip and Nathaniel. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses is in the law. And also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And, Nazareth, and, and Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said unto him, come and see. Come and see. He's bringing him to Jesus. Then you got religious folks, okay? So Paul comes in and, 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 and he, he wants to, Paul, was, he would always, he was ministering in the marketplace, but he would find places where people were gathering to worship. And he'd go out there and, and speak to them and share the gospel in Acts 16. And on the Sabbath day, he went out, to the, uh, out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And he sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, these women gathered. They had prayer. These were religious people. Maybe they're seeking the Lord. They're, serving, they're, they're, they're worshiping God as they know how, but he goes and he speaks to them and he speaks the truth. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple in the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. God convicted her heart. And she responded to it. When you see that, she responded to the gospel. She, she was converted. She came, became a Christian. And her, I mean, it influenced her whole family. She was What a great blessing she was. So there was religious people. But then you got Nicodemus who comes to Jesus at night. Here's a religious person who comes to Jesus. And he's asking questions. You ever had, had a religious person talk to you? And, and, and man, when they start asking questions, answer them. Find answers for them. So Nicodemus comes there in John chapter 3 and says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus understood. Not all of them did. Nicodemus saw it and knew there's something different about Jesus. There's something different about you. God is working in you. There's no other way to explain this. In verse 3 then, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus went right to the truth. You have to be born again, Nicodemus. This play in this religious game ain't going to get you into the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. Oh, What does that mean? And Jesus witnesses to him and shares himself with Nicodemus. And we, we know Nicodemus later becomes a follower. Then there are seekers, the Greeks in John chapter 12. These Greeks come. Now now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was was from Bethsaida Bethsaida, uh, of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So they go and they tell Jesus, well, we don't see what happens there, but I know, I'm, I'm pretty confident what happened there. Jesus said, what are you doing? Bring them. They want to speak to me, bring them. Bring them to me. Bring them on. Then there's strangers. They come to uh, the, woman of the, way, the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And, and so she's there drawing water and the Lord, the, Lord is, uh, the Lord comes up and what does he do? He, he went up to her and he asked for a drink of water and then he proceeded to witness to her. He used that simple thing of water. Just he, he, he took what she was doing at that time and turned it into talking about him. He says, "I yeah, you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. Or what water? I don't want to make this trip out here to the well. Show me this water. Give me this water. And, and so he witnessed to her, and, and, and she came to faith right there. Man, and a bunch of people in that area came to faith. Some because of her testimony, and then they came out and heard him, and more because of hearing him. They said, hey, we believe now not because you said it, but because he said it. We've met him. But strangers, and you run up on strangers. Then there are just divine appointments that we we have. These divine appointments, and I would put the Philippian jailer in that situation. I mean, they didn't get beaten just so they could witness to the Philippian jailer. They didn't keep their mouth shut about being Romans to keep from getting thrown into prison. They just listened to what God was doing. They took the beating. They were thrown into prison. And I can imagine Paul is praying in prison. And as he's praying, he's sharing the gospel. He's talking about Jesus. And they're all hearing this. The Philippian jailer, you have to imagine he understood what they had been through, what they had done. He had to have, he's there at the prison. He had to have heard what they're saying. He hears what they're praying. He hears what they're singing. It's going, what are these guys? Man, they're in the innermost part of the prison. They've been beaten. I've got them shackled, and they're in there singing and praising God. And it says, and and, and then when when the the prison doors are open and nobody flees, and the jailer comes out and he's going to kill himself, and Paul says, whoa, don't do yourself any harm. And as they come out, listen what he says. And And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, that's the question everybody in the world wants to ask. What must I do? It's do. It's always do. Can I do a thousand push-ups? Will that get me into heaven? What if I run, run backwards around the church a hundred times? Will that get me into heaven? How about if I give a million dollars? Will that get me? It's what can I do? That's man's idea. We want to work to God. And that's not the answer then, nor now, nor ever has that been the answer. Because, because the, their answer is this. They said, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Put your faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know the Philippians jailer did. He put his faith in Christ. That was a divine appointment. We have divine appointments all the time. And we miss them because we're not looking for them. We're we're in too big a hurry. We're not taking the time we need to stop and see what God is doing in us and through us. But then there's spirit-led obedience There are times where God just tells you to do something and you don't even know why you're doing it, but if you obey him, he'll lead you to an opportunity. We see that with Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So, listen, God said, Go. the, the, The angel of the Lord there spoke to him and said, Go. And verse 27, So he arose and went. I love that. He just did what God said do. God said do it, I'm going to go do it. He got up and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charged of all her treasury. So this guy's got a high position. He's in charge of all the money of Ethiopia, all this, the treasury. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. He's a seeker. He's he's wondering, you know, what's going on with this? And he goes and he sees what's going on and he's returning and he's sitting in his chariot and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. And as he does, Philip realizes what the Ethiopian is reading. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? Those are opportunities that, that can, can happen with us. God can lead you somewhere, and then all of a sudden, there's somebody in your life, and you see what's going on. And you go, hey, do you understand what's going on here? Do you understand why this is going on? Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what? Do you, how can I? Unless somebody tell me. So he gets up. The man invites him up into the chariot. He takes right there where he was in Isaiah, and he begins to read, and he preaches Jesus, and the Ethiopian gets saved, and then they stop, and they baptize him. Beautiful. Those are all ways, different ways. Those are ways that we run into, things that we run into everyday opportunities we have, friends, family, seekers, strangers, divine appointments. Oh, oh, just, there's all of these different ways of sharing the gospel. So I have my clubs here because I want to talk about this right quick. I just want to illustrate it with this. Look, there's a reason, and we're going to talk about a lot of different ways here in just a minute about, about sharing your faith. And they'll be the major, the, the bottom line foundational things. But here, here's the deal I really would like y'all to pray for my clubs, though. You you can do that on the side. But um, I prayed one time. Listen, my my best friend that I went and played golf with this week, I I had never beat him, never beat him in golf. He had moved. He had gone to another church. He came back to visit one time. And I told our church on Wednesday night, I I said, y'all do me a favor. Y'all pray that I'll beat Aaron in golf this week. We played, and I beat Aaron in golf. He has never let me live that down, that I had the church pray against him. But I beat him, and I should have retired right there and never played again, but I messed up and played again. But here's the deal. So you got to have the right foundation, right? So there's golf shoes. So I have these shoes that have these little spikes on them so that, you know, if I wear my regular shoes and I'm trying to swing, you know, you slip, your feet slip, stuff. so you got to have a firm foundation. So you got to understand the gospel and the truth of the gospel. But there are a lot of different clubs in here that do different things. So when I step up there on the green, not on the green, when I step up there on the... On the um, the tee box, see, I don't even know what I'm talking about. When I get up on the tee box, I want to hit the ball generally a long way. So I got this one. Now, now here's the thing. I can hit the ball off the tee box with this one. Now, if you saw some of my drives this week, you would have thought I hit it with this one. <laughs> it's a shame to hit the ball with this and it go 20 yards. That's really embarrassing. But this one is designed to hit it a long, long way. This one is designed to putt it. You've all played putt-putt. You know, we're, we're, this is designed for that purpose. So there's a, there's a tool in here for, for everything that you're going to do out on the course. So putting or driving, you know, you got a, you, you got an iron shot. Now, if you, if you play with Rusty, here's the thing with Rusty. Rusty will, will step up on a par four. If you know anything about golf, that's a long way. So, I don't know, 400 yards, it's a par four. It means you got four strokes to get it in, to get in in par. And Rusty will step up with one of these. Pow. And he'll hit it down there, and then you'll go and you'll look for the ball for 10 or 15 minutes. and wonder, Where, where'd your ball go, Rusty? And then you'll go over and you'll walk up to the cup, and it'll be sitting in the cup. He got a hole-in-one on a par four. That is a super rare thing, but I saw it. I witnessed it. That's if you play with Rusty. So Rusty's going to play with that, you're going to swing that. But here, here's what I tend to do. You play with me, this might be the most valuable tool you'll have in the box. <laughs> and so when you hit the ball in the water... You can dig your ball out of the water. And this is probably the most valuable tool I have in, in, in my golf bag. Okay. So I didn't carry it on the third day and I needed it. That's when I needed it a bunch. So anyway, there's tools in there. There's the same way there are tools that we have for sharing the gospel. And you got to use the right tools. I can get up on the green and use this to putt, but it's, it's not as effective. It's not designed for that. So there are different methods and different tools that we use at different times. So the more you can know and the more you're prepared, the better, you know, use the right tool at the right time. So I want to share with you this morning some of those tools that we have. So here, here, was, here would be the things I'd say it's most important and first things to think about when you're soul winning. So, so number five is soul winning methods. That's the blank there. Soul-winning method. So conversations and relationships are so important. As you build relationships, you know, that, that's going to open the door for you to share the gospel. You know, when you go, well, there's sometimes you don't have a you don't have time to build a relationship. You may be in the line at Walmart. Do you know you can really witness in the line at Walmart? Most of the time you got plenty of time to witness if you're in the line at Walmart. But not always. So you could be prepared to really quickly, and you may not even be able to get through it. I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago when Jordan was here, uh, it, was, it was like uh, maybe it was Tuesday morning before she was going back. So we got up real early. We drove over to the beach. She wanted to see the sunrise. So we drove over to the beach to see the sunrise. And uh, when we were coming back, we stopped at Chick-fil-A. And we're at the one over in, I guess that's Port Orange. And we, we stopped in there. And they don't have their dining room open, so you can't even g- get in there. So you have to... Um, I guess we ordered it online, or maybe you can go in and order, but you you can't sit in there anyway. So we're waiting outside, and I go up to the front, and I've got on a Georgia shirt, T-shirt, and a Georgia ball cap. And and I go up to the front there, and we're, I mean, as soon as I walk up, this this guy says, hey, you from Georgia? He's sharp. I knew right away he was sharp. I knew it. He said, you from Georgia? I I said, well, I used to be. And so here's how quick you can, you can begin to witness to somebody. So I said, I used to be. I said, but now we live down here. But, yeah, I, I, I'm from Athens. I'm from where the university is. He goes, oh, I'm a, I'm a Florida State fan. I said, oh, yeah, Florida State. I said, Bobby Bowden. I said, that was your coach. Bobby Bowden's a great man. Bobby Bowden had just passed. So I said, Bobby Bowden, man, he was so influential. I said, in fact, our coach at Georgia for years had worked for Bobby Bowden. And where I was going with my next breath was, and Bobby Bowden led him to the Lord, and they call his name, and he's got to go grab his bag. So you can witness anywhere. So my next thing was, hey, Coach Bob Bowden introduced Mark Rick to the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Do you know Jesus? Have you ever met the Lord Jesus? That's, it's that simple, folks. You can take any conversation. And, you know, some of you go, well, I'm shy. I'm not good at that. I, I am, too. Y'all go, y'all are crazy. You're not shy. I really am. I'm a shy and reserved person. But my family laughs at me because everywhere I go, is Jesse back there? Jesse, when we go places, what do you end up saying a lot of times? There he goes again, dad talking, making friends. But I do. I try to, I try to and I have to come out of myself. Now, Trish doesn't have to even work hard at that, do you? You don't even have to work hard I just, it just happens she's so reserved she has to work at that in fact bob probably goes would you stop <laughs> but but it's listen you, you you can you can there's so many things you can do to be a witness you go well i want to witness to my waitress you can it's simple hey we're going we're christians and we're going to pray in a moment now, you're trusting she's not an atheist and going to go spit in your food, but you trust God with that, okay? But you say, look, we want to pray for you. I've never, is there something we can pray with you about? I've never heard, had, had a single person go, no, I don't want you praying for me. Not one time. I've had people go, uh, most time you're going to catch them so off guard, they're not going to know what to say. And they'll be like, uh, 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 okay. But some of them, other times you'll have people break down and go, would you pray for my son? my son is this or my daughter's that or my family we financially we're just having some real struggles and you know what then you can be you can be really generous with your tip and you can write a little note on the receipt and there's different things you can do I'm going to show you some other stuff but It's conversations, it's relationships, it's doing those things. I'm at Sanibel Island. I may have told you all about this. And I'm at Sanibel Island, and everybody's looking at the water. I can't even see the shoreline from where I'm sitting, but the water line. they keep pointing. I thought, maybe there's some sharks or dolphins or something. So I end up, I walk down there, and I say, well, there's these black things moving through the water. So, of course, I go right in the water. Like, what is this, you know? (laughs) And I get in there, and there's these rays, and there were thousands of them. I guess it was mating season. And there were just thousands of them going up and down the coast. And so I'm in there. But I'd watched a guy who had been making his way. He was in the water. And he was making his way up. I saw him a couple times like he got hit by something and moved him. And I thought, what's going on? So he got up. I said, I'm going to go talk to him and see what's going on out there. Well, then I got there and I found out. But I get in the water. He comes up and we start talking. It takes about five minutes. Guess who we're talking about? We're talking about Jesus. Raymond said the same thing. He, he goes somewhere. He's, you know, the conversation. You get the conversation started. Paul said, I've become all things to all men that I might buy. Up. Some, some means win some, right? That's what he said. I'm going to become all things to all people. I don't, there's a lot of things I don't know about. But I'm not going to act like I know something I don't know. But you can show interest in things that other people are interested in. And, and get a conversation started. And then they won't expect it. And you just flip it. And all of a sudden, you're talking about Jesus. And you confront them with Jesus. It's so important. So there's all these different tools we can use. And all of us can do this. As I said two weeks ago, it's not a special thing. There's not a special breed of us. If you are a born-again Christian, you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. He has commanded you. He hasn't suggested you be a soul winner. He's commanded you. And we all should do it. We ought to do it. Not a should. We ought to. There's a moral obligation to share our faith. And we all can do it. But it takes getting outside of my comfort zone. And, and people go, well, I don't want them will reject me. I don't want to be rejected. Well, nobody wants to be rejected, but they're not rejecting you. You're not trying to sell them Amway. You're trying to give them Jesus. And if they sell, if they reject Amway, they're still not rejecting you. They're rejecting Amway, right? So... Let them reject if they reject they are rejecting to their own demise But it's our call to, to, to share. Amen? Amen. All right. So here's some ways First thing is flip over to the back of your little brochure there And you see on the back is the romans road. This is this is a tried and true I remember as a teenager. I was scared to death of witnessing. I knew how I got saved I knew when I had met the Lord, but I thought, well, what if, you know, I'm telling people, I'm telling people about Jesus and they ought to come to church. And and I thought, well, what if somebody says, well, how do I get saved? And I went, oh, and it scared me. I didn't know what, I didn't know what to say. And I didn't want to mess that up. And so I was talking to some people at church. They said, look, here, take these verses. And they wrote the verses down for me. So said, memorize those verses. You, it's simple. You can memorize the first one, Romans 3.23. If you know where that is, you can, you can memorize that it's Romans 3.23. You can have your little pocket Bible with you. You can mark it in there. And here's what you do. You circle that verse. And then at the end of that verse, you write the next verse. Where to go. Okay, so you can memorize, but the easiest way is to memorize them. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then you go to Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin, we're all sinners, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we talk about that God demonstrated his love for us in Romans 5.8, that, but God demonstrated, he commendeth, he demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We express the love. We show them the love right there of God. And then Romans 10, 9, and 10, it tells us how someone can become a believer. It's trusting in Christ. That if, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, if you can you memorize those verses, you can walk someone right through the gospel. And you go, you know, Romans 3 23, for all sin and come short of the glory of God. You start right there. Do you know why we're sinners? And you could go right back to the garden, depending on how much time you have. You can go back to the garden, you talk about the fall, and that through the sin of Adam, sin became upon all men, that all men sinned, all men died, death came with sin. So we're all sinners, and we all have a death sentence on us. It's a pretty hopeless thing. And you got to get to the bad news so you can get to the good news. But if you memorize that right there, that Romans road, you go, I don't know what to do. Memorize that right there. That will give you confidence in sharing the gospel. Walking them right through the truths of scripture. So that would be one of the first places I would tell you to start. If you want to be a soul winner... You got to understand some verses and places to go. Keep your scriptures with you. Have it marked. Have it tagged. Put a, some little, mar, you know, those little highlight markers in there. Whatever you dog tag it, ear tag, whatever that is. I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying to say. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But mark it so that you can go right to it in the scriptures and show it to them. Okay. But you can memorize those verses, and you've got the Word of God to present to them. So that's kind of foundational. Look, that's putting on the golf shoes. You've got the right foundation. You know the gospel. Folks, you got to know the gospel and you got to know it clearly. Clearly. Not all roads lead to heaven. Let me read you what this says. A recent study indicates that 60% of professing born again Christians. Now, professing is the important part here. Indicates that 60% of professing born-again Christians do not believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation. If you believe that, keep your mouth shut. If that's what you believe, please don't go out witnessing to people. But if you're going to go witness to people, you need to understand the truth of the gospel. And that means Jesus is the way, the one and only way. He is the truth and he is the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. There is no other name given under heaven by which a man must be saved but the name of Jesus. Amen? So you've got to understand the gospel. So they believe there are 60% of professing born-again Christians that believe that Buddha and Muhammad are equal paths to heaven. That's lies out of the pit of hell. Folks, these are surveys done by folks like George Barna and others that 60% of people who claim to be a born-again Christian believe that nonsense. The problem is in places like right here and in the Sunday school rooms in churches all over America that are not teaching and preaching the truth. And I'm going to tell you now, if you're a teacher in our church and you don't believe that Jesus is the only way, quit now because if I find out, you're going to be quitted. Got it? We're going to hold to the truths of Scripture. Mm -hmm. This denies that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life and is the spirit of the Antichrist and the pathway to hell. I mean, you can go to Joel Osteen's church if you believe that. You'll fit right in. understand the gospel be clear with it be, be understand it, it I'm gonna come back to that but the Romans wrote. now I got a couple of videos because there's some other methods one of them is three circles there's a guy that pastors a big church down in South East Florida uh, I can't even recall his name right now but this is this is a great way to present the gospel but it's great you know you got somebody at work or or that's going through crisis, they do life's in shambles. I mean, their life is a dumpster fire. You you can use this and, and explain why they are where they are. So let's show this first video. Three circles. So that's simple, right? That's just another tool. In fact, they have a tool you can put on your phone, an app of the three circles. And if you got in a conversation with someone, you can simply sit down with the, the app and it'll, it'll give you key scriptures. It'll, it'll talk about God's design, talks about sin, talks about brokenness, you can walk through it, what the gospel is, repentance and believing. So all of that, it takes you right through it to share the gospel message with someone. That's a, that's a pretty cool tool. I, I actually, when I was working, it was one of the classes I took in, in my seminary work, and we looked at different soul-winning methods, and that was one of them that we researched. And it, it's just an interesting thing. And Jimmy Scroggins runs, leads a huge church down in South Florida. It's a Southern Baptist church. And um, I think that's a, that's a cool tool. And somebody out there would go, I could use that. Others are sitting there going, ah, that's really not my flavor. All right, well, let's look at another video. We're going to look at this one real quick about the Evangicube. Who's ever heard of the Evangicube? Some of you have heard of that? Okay. So this is really, I would would preface this, this is probably not for us 50 and 60-year-olds. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, Maybe it is. And some of you may go, man, that would be awesome. If you like Rubik's Cube, you'll love this. Okay. But this is a simple tool that the video here is going to show you how you can use that to present the gospel. So watch this. Okay, you can stop it there. So you see, that, I mean, think about that. If you're walking around, I'm I'm going to know who would do this, but I was, I was sitting over here looking at it, and I go, if, I, if I'm playing with a cube, if I'm in my office and I'm playing with a cube, and you're hearing it popping, and you look, dude, who's going, what are you going to ask? Somebody's going to ask, what are you doing? What is that? Oh, you want uh, this, uh, it's just a cube. Let me, let me show you my cube. And you can simply, right there, and, and in two minutes you can walk right through the gospel. And if somebody's asked you what it is, they're probably not going to interrupt you at that point and go, oh, yeah, they, might. they might. But if you just walk through, oh, it's just a cue, man. This kind of shows what I believe as a Christian. And, and so, man, you could walk right through it. And some of you going, man, I couldn't do that in my workplace. I might get fired. Okay, find another place. Do it at lunch. Do it somewhere. Take them to dinner, whatever. But that's just another tool that we can use if, if you're interested. There was a young man here, last name Kaiser. What's it? Is it Jason? Jason, Jason Kaiser. He sat right back there. Uh, one Wednesday night, and he was telling me about it. He, he uses the Evangicube Cube to share the gospel at school. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. All right, then there's gospel tracts. How many of you have heard, you, you know what a gospel tract is? Raise, raise your hand. Right. Do it this way. Raise your hand if you don't know what a gospel tract is. Okay, so there's still, some of you don't know, you've never seen those. Gospel tracts are, are, some of them are, there are different kind of tracts. So Fred brought me some of these here that are about, these came from, Fred, didn't you bring me these? The, the, the th- million-dollar bills? Yeah. So these are million-dollar bills, all right? So who wouldn't want a million-dollar bill? If you see that laying down, you're going to, what is that? And it's got Noah's Ark on it. So you, you begin to look at it, but you flip it over, and you read it. It's got it, just a real quick, a brief gospel message on it. It gives the, the plan of salvation right there. There are, there are others here. This tract here says, may I ask you a question? And it, it's just simple. It walks you right through the plan of salvation. Uh, bad news, where are our sinners? Bad news, the penalty of sin is death. Good news, Christ died for you. Uh, good news, you can be saved through faith in Christ. And it just simply walks you right through the gospel. You, you could take a, a, a one like this or this one here. Again, same thing. May I ask you a question? I, you know, how many of you saw that sitting on a, somewhere? You might pick that up and look at it. Go, hey, smiley face. You would, wouldn't you? <laughs> if you saw that laying somewhere, you'd pick You'd go, hey, that looks fun. I want to read that. So And it's written in a font. I mean, it's a fun font, but all the truth is right there. And most of these go right back to the Romans Road, and there'll be additional verses in there. And so then there's one here um, who is Crew. Y'all have heard of Campus Crusade for Christ? So they came up with a a, a way, and they came up with this, uh, Have You Heard the Four Spiritual Laws? I took a track similar to this. And years ago, my dad... So my dad was, was an alcoholic, had been an alcoholic all his life. My dad has told me he's coming up to see me. And uh, I, had, I had prayed, Lord, I want to I want witness to my dad. I want to be able to share my faith with him. I want my dad to get saved. And so I, I'd been praying about that. But I told my dad, I said, you show up at my house drunk. I'm not, you're not coming in. And so my dad shows up unannounced. He shows up at my house. He lived here in Florida. He came up to Georgia. He shows up at my house drunk. And I mean, I wanted to just let him have it. And God said no. And so I let him in, I put him up, and, and uh, the next morning when he got up, we sat on the couch, and he and his wife were having all kind of problems. He'd showed up drunk. She was supposed to come with him, and I, I'd been praying. I wanted to witness to both, both of them, and she didn't come because they were having problems, uh, which was the MO for my dad, which makes sense. And so we sat down and we began to talk. And instead of fussing at him and all that, like I wanted to do, I just started talking to him. And we just talked about really kind of what Jimmy Scroggins was talking about, is the brokenness in his life. And he was at a place where that brokenness was pointing him to, I need a change in my life. I need, this this is not working. He said, and I see in your life there's something different. And we sat on my couch, and we went through a track much like this. We just went right through the track and talked through it. And my dad sat there and he wept, and he prayed, and he asked the Lord Jesus to forgive him of his sin and to save his soul. I saw I saw change in my dad. My dad never became what I hoped he would become. He. You know, and I, I leave that up to the Lord. Whether he truly was born again, only God knows and my dad knows today. But for six years now, my dad's been in eternity. And I pray that, that he was sincere in what he did that day. But we simply took a track like that and was able to talk my dad right through the gospel and let the Holy Spirit of God do the work. And you can take a track like any one of these. These others here, um, this one goes back to... Man, I remember this from as a kid. This one says, this was your life. And it, and it starts out, this guy's living the good life. It's a cartoon. These are all, these chick tracks are all cartoon tracks. And they tell different stories. And this one, first page, you get your attention because he's living the high life. He's smoking his cigar and he's got his drink and his fancy sports car. And the next scene, he drops dead. And it goes from there because it didn't end there because he's still existing it didn't end and it walks right through then him having to stand before god and never trusting christ this was your life and you can take something like this and share with somebody you can give it to somebody hey you need to read this because the gospel message is here it's here and it's in all of these and so i've got these and i've got these two racks and i'm gonna put these out um is kristen in here I'll get with her on that. What we want to do is we're going to stamp them on the back with our church name and address and our phone number and email address. We've got to get a stamp made. that's just got those on there. Not email, but our website. So that people can, you know, an email as well. Just that general information so they can reach us. But you can stamp that on there. You can take these and you can leave them somewhere or you can give it to somebody that needs to read it. These are effective. They're super easy ways to, to give it to somebody and... share the truth now this is another one i like this is may i ask you a question it's just like those other two shares the same information but on the front it says thank you for great service you can take some of these you go out to eat you build a relationship a little bit with your waiter or waitress you're friendly please don't be a grouch and then leave this and don't and don't and don't leave them a two percent tip and then give them a track and say, well, I love Jesus. I want You should follow Jesus. That, don't do that. Leave them a good tip. Maybe, maybe you know, converse with them. And so they see. Live it out. Live out your faith out loud in front of them. And then leave this for them. And, 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 and so I promise you, if they've had a good interaction with you, and you leave them a, a, a good tip, and they get that, they're going to read it. They're going to take that, and they're going to put it with their money. They're going to put it in their pocket. And later on, they're going to get home and go, what is this? I don't know what this is. And they're going to sit down and read it. And some of them are going to throw it in the trash. But others are going to go through it. And, and you don't know. Somebody, you go, does anybody ever really get saved that way? Well, I, I know of at least one. One of my best friends growing up was walking down the road one day. He found one of these chick tracks. Found it on the side of the road. He went home and he read it. God convicted him of his sin. And right there in his bedroom, he knelt down and prayed and asked God to, to save him, forgive him of his sin. And that man's a preacher today, Amen. preaching the gospel in whole Georgia. Amen? Amen? So There's lots of tools. And so these are going to be available for you if you want to take tracts with you and, and give those to folks. So there's a lot of different things. I'm going to go real quick here on this last little bit, and we're going to wrap up here in just a moment. So another, another method besides that is faith visitation. So faith visitation is something we may actually do here at some point. And what it is, it's just a method of sharing your faith. But there's a question, and most of you, if you've talked to me at all about soul winning, you'll know my question. I don't ask people, you know, I get in a conversation with Henry. I don't go, hey, Henry, are you saved? Because Henry's answer, whether he is or isn't, it's probably gonna be, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to heaven. It's gonna be his answer. Well, if he's lost, you know what I gotta do now? I gotta get him to understand that he's lost. I gotta point him to that. I gotta get him back to that place where he understands, man, you know, you're right, I'm going to hell. I don't I don't know Jesus. So I don't ask that question. I don't ask a yes or no question on that. Here's the question I ask. And this comes from Faith Visitation, which Bobby Welch, who pastored over at First Baptist Daytona for years, he developed this thing. They did it with Sunday school. So when people visit the church, they would go visit them in their homes. They would do the Faith Visitation outline. Faith is forgiveness. Uh, F-A-I-T-H. Faith is forgiveness. It's available. It's, um, what is it? important. It is important. It is impossible. It's impossible. Salvation is impossible without God. Um, And then T is to turn, F-A-I-T-H, and uh, H is for heaven. So it's just taking them right. It's just another way of going through the, the plan of salvation. But when you go into a home, it teaches you, you know, you go visit with somebody. You ever been to somebody's house, you look around. If you come in my office, you'll find out real quick what things I'm interested in. You'll think I love golf. You'll think I like college football. And you might think I like the Her- uh, Herschel Walker and the Georgia Bulldogs. You might think those things. You can be wrong, but you, you might think those. But no, if you go in and you look in somebody's home, if you're visiting there, you find out what they're interested in you talk about that. Then you stir the conversation to, you know, w- w- where'd you go to church, Rusty? What's your church background? You know, find out those things. you bring been to Sunday school? And then you get to asking the key question. And the key question is this. I use this all the time. In your personal opinion, what do you understand that it takes for a person to go to heaven? Scott, Malcolm, Scott in here, you remember me asking you guys that? Remember me asking that question? I came to their house, visited with them, and uh, asked them that question, and he slapped me and said, none of your business. <laughs> no. Um, but, but in your personal opinion, what do you understand it takes for a person to go to heaven? I've never heard a better question when confronting someone with the gospel. Here's why. Because people love to give their opinion. Amen? So when you preface it within your personal opinion, they go, oh, okay, oh, right. I get to be an expert now. And so what do you understand it takes for a person to go to heaven? And so the answer is going to be very obvious. Either going to be, well, uh, to go to heaven, I mean, to go to heaven a person, they have to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's it. I mean, they, that's, and I like to ask them when they do that. I go, nothing else? Because, you, you know, you will find out how really they understand it. Because they'll go, no, that's it. That's it. I mean, you got to trust. Now, you ought to go get baptized maybe and you need to go to church and stuff. But, no, to go to heaven, you need to, you've got to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to be saved and trust. Okay, that's a faith answer. But then you have, you have a, a works answer. Well, you got to trust Jesus and you got to give a lot of money to the church and you got to work and do things at the church. And, you know, you got to go down to the homeless shelter. You should probably do that. And you need to find old women to walk across the street and carry their groceries. I mean, anything like that, putting shopping carts up, maybe that'll help. So you see real quick that it's, it's a mix. It's a works. It's either a mix or a works. They could, it could be all works, but it could be a mix. It could be a muddled up answer. They're not real clear on the gospel. And then you'll have other people go, hmm, I don't know. Oh, no, you tell me. Okay? So it's a simple question that opens the door for you to go right in any one of these other methods to present the gospel. Does that make sense? Okay? So faith visitation is, is, is a great thing, and they, they t- talk you right through how to share the gospel. Anybody ever heard of Lifestyle Evangelism? Yeah. Yeah. Lifestyle Evangelism is another. EE, evangelistic, Evangelism Explosion. DJ, I think that was Kennedy's. D. James Kennedy did that. Uh, they they generally used a couple of questions. That then it was a door opener like that question there from faith. It was a question that opened the door to just walk through the gospel. But lifestyle evangelism is this. It says it's an evangelism strategy that focuses on living a holy, winsome life among unbelievers with the goal of attracting people to the message of Jesus Christ. Now, that by itself is not adequate. I can model my faith to my neighbors and to people I work with all the time and never share the the gospel with them and never speak the truth to them. Does that make sense? So I can live this great life, but if I don't speak truth into their life, that's where it falls short. So evangelism, I mean, uh, lifestyle evangelism would say this. They would say that a combination of vibrant faith And a vibrant sharing of faith is the proper balance. So you can live that life and we want to live that life. We want to model our faith, but you've got to share the gospel. You can't hope that they just see your life and go, man, they're really good people. I mean, Trish Deere's is a good person. She really is. I mean, she's exciting. She's fun. She's fun to be around. Uh, and I think she, you know, I would think she might know the Lord or whatever. But if, but if, if I just watch her life and I never get confronted with the gospel, I'm not going to know how to get saved. I'm not going to know what that means. I'm not going to know why she has had that change in her life. Does that make sense? So, so the lifestyle of evangelism is a great thing if we balance it with sharing the gospel, not just living it out. We're not called just to live a good life. Jesus didn't come here just to model how we should walk in this world. He came to die for our sin so that we could be born again. And then he told us to go and tell others how they can be born again. That's the commission he gave us, not just to live a good life. We are called. And I'll challenge anybody here who says otherwise. Well, we're not called to evangelize. Every one of us is called to evangelize. Every one of us. Every one of us are called to share our faith. And um, I heard, I, I'm going to share this with you. So, yesterday, Florence, y- y'all know Florence, and just, I mean, she's just a joy. So she would not have, probably not have even known, I don't know if she even knew the term, lifestyle evangelism. But she was living it. Her and Bill, so their partner, their business partner, he comes up to me yesterday. And, you know, he's like, the service was great. He said, you know, she just, he said, here's the thing. He said, I grew up Jewish. And my wife grew up Baptist. He said, and and we'd not been in church for a long, long time. But we really got challenged by Bill and Florence, and we watched the way they lived their life. But Florence was always talking about church, and they were always sharing with us about the scriptures and, and, and being saved. And, being, and, and they were like, and he was like, "Man, so we had to So I, I told him, I said, man, you were raised Jewish." I said, "You need to know Jesus. I'm witnessing to him right there. I think you need to know Jesus. I mean, that's your Messiah." He goes, "I know, I found him." So he said, he's, he's, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I'm, I, Jesus is my savior. And, uh, but he was talking about the way they lived their life. And it wasn't just living it and being a good, happy, you know, I'm a happy Christian. They shared their faith with him, and it had a great, great impact. All of these are tools. So sometimes one of the tools you may, you may pick part of, so, but there's a way to, you, you, you look at all these different ways, you find what's comfortable for you. But the, it all goes back to this: you got to know the gospel, and you got to be ready to share it. First Peter three fifteen says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone or to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear." We should always be ready to share our faith. So you got to you got to have that firm foundation. Of the gospel. You got to know the gospel. You got to be able to share it in a condensed form if you only got just a moment, or you can expand it and share it with more time, more detail, but you share the gospel. Have that firm foundation. But you ought to be ready to share your testimony as well. Brief, brief. You may be able to go in a little more depth. I was going to read a story, uh, but I'm, I'm not, we just don't have time. Chuck Colson. How many of you know that name? The older generation would know Chuck Colson. He was, he was on Nixon's staff. What's that? I said, well, I raised my hand too, so I'm in there. I'm in there. Chuck Colson was on staff with uh, Nixon, and he was involved with Watergate, and he was a scoundrel. He was a dirty, rotten, prideful. He, in his own words, he would have told you he was a dirtbag. And he got confronted by a man who had come to faith in Christ. And the man told him, he says, you know, I got tired of going to work and life was just empty. He said, I needed a change. And that struck Colson because he was, you know, he was all about position and power. So he went over to this guy's house one night and they're sitting and talking. And the guy just begins to witness to him. He says, look, I I was tired of going to work and it was empty. Every bit of it was empty. Nothing ever fulfilled. Nothing was ever, it never got, just, I knew there had to be more. And he said, you know, and then I came into faith in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And he, he began to, uh, as Colson was talking, he confronted Colson on his sin of pride. And he took uh, C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, chapter 8, I think it was, it talks about pride. And he dealt with that with Chuck Colson. And Colson said, I just, I, he said, I wanted to crawl under a rock. He said, it wasn't embarrassment. He said, I realize as he's describing pride that that was me. And that is, that is, it was my pride that had gotten me into everything I was in. And life was, he was fixing to go to prison, all that. He knew it. His life's just falling apart. He is broken at this point. And he shares with him Proverbs, uh, uh, Proverbs, uh, uh, th- three, uh, something, anyway. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I just went blank. It, Three, five, and six. I was wondering was thirty-seven, but it won thirty-seven. So three, five, and six. And trust in the Lord with all your heart, and 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 yes. lean not on your own understanding. He'll, he'll direct your path. All that stuff. He's leading. He's t- sharing that. He shares with him. Um, Nicodemus talks about there in John chapter three, when Nicodemus talking the Lord, and you must be born again. He confronts him with that, and he says, "Well, I'm not ready." He, he's, like, "I'm skeptical of a conversion like that. I'm, concept, I'm just, I'm just not." He just said, "I'm not ready for that." And the man said, no, that's all, I, I get that. Can I pray for you? And the man began to pray for him. And he says, he had never been struck by it. He said, it was like he was talking to God and God was sitting right next to him. And he said, it was all he could do, this Marine, this prideful, self-willed Marine, said it was all he could do not to lose it right there. He said, he, I didn't, he didn't understand what was going on. He, he just he couldn't explain it. So he left, he got in the car and he just broke down. I've read it three times. I cry every time I read it. He just broke down, and he's weeping in the car. And he says, "I need to go back and talk to him." And as he sees the lights go out in the man's house, he says, "It's too late." So he leaves. He's going down the interstate, and he says he's crying so hard at this point he can't even see the road. He said, "I'm going to kill somebody." So he pulls over, and on the side of the road, he says, "I don't understand what it, I don't understand this." He said, "God, I don't understand it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I want you." I want you in my life. I want you to take my life. I want you. And he said, and as he wrote in his book later, he wrote a book called Born Again. And he wrote in that book he didn't get saved that night. That wasn't. But he said that was God was working in his heart and bringing him to that place of repentance and brokenness and salvation. And Chuck Colson got saved, gloriously saved. And 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 he went to prison, and and in prison he had a great ministry in prison. He come out of prison and he started Prison Fellowship. I think it was, the largest prison ministry in the country. Who did? My cousin. Your cousin. When he went to prison, he read that book. Born again. Awesome. How about that? Amen. Praise God. So see, here's the, how that works. It just keeps work, It just keeps on. But that's the power of the gospel, folks. Amen. And every story in here is important. If you're born again, your story, your story is important. Not because of you. All you have is testimony of what He did in your life. And you always point to Him. And you share what He did for you and how He saved you. There's power in that. And so today, what I'm encouraging you with is share your faith. Live it out. Live it real. Live it real. Quit living for you. Quit doing these certain things. You go, well, I've got liberty to do that. Well, how about you live a holy life so people will be drawn to you? And then you point them to Jesus. And we're going to spend all of eternity going, what if? What if? What if I'd done this? What if I'd done that? Why did I keep doing that? I didn't didn't really need that. I didn't really like that. Why did I do that? That was so terrible. That was sinful. That was pride. That was this. Why didn't I win more to Jesus? I'm reading Revelation of the Tears. I'm not sure that that's not because we're going to stand there and watch as people are judged and thrown into hell that we could have won. There's a time the Lord's going to wipe away the tears. We're not going to go through all of eternity with that because we're going to worship God. But I'm not sure that's not why there's going to be tears there at judgment. When they're dead or we're dead, it's too late. Yeah, right. Father,